Welcome to Wit & Wire, where we help podcasters create their own shows with raving fans. I'm your host, Melissa Guller, and as an experienced host, producer, and teacher, I knew that I wanted to help more diverse podcasters launch amazing shows. So in each episode of Wit & Wire, I invite fellow podcasters and industry experts to share their best tips, resources, and strategies for podcasters of all experience levels. This episode is part of our five-part spotlight series on podcast formats. Your format explains how many voices are on your show, as well as their purpose. And my goal is to spotlight each podcast format by creating an episode in that format. Today, we're spotlighting the co-hosted format, where two to three people host the podcast together as equal partners. Co-hosting has a special place in my heart. And in this episode, I'm so excited to share the mic with one of my favorite people, my Booksmart co-host, M. Hamelshaver. Hi, everyone. I'm M. I write and design websites for entrepreneurs, and I also love leading virtual workshops on self-care and creating happy, healthy habits. I'm based outside of Philadelphia, where in my spare time, I'm usually reading or walking my rescue puppy, Rosie. In this episode, we're going to take you behind the scenes on our co-hosting process, including our prep process and our at-home recording setup in my tiny Brooklyn apartment. We'll also talk about how we divided the work and how Booksmart changed as we continued producing new episodes. And maybe we'll end with a quick book chat for old time's sake. Em, I wanted to first tell everybody how we met because... It's such a big part of our podcaster story. So my very first podcast was called Figuring It Out, and I knew I was looking for somebody to talk about dating profiles. So I took to Google, as I usually do, and I was searching for how to write you know, a great dating profile, and you have an amazing post on menaskm.com, and it came up right away. So I did a little bit of research, and I loved what I was seeing, so I just reached out to you cold in the hopes that you would please say yes and agree to come on my then very little podcast. And I was so pleasantly excited and surprised when you said yes. Oh my gosh. I loved receiving that email from you. So as a little bit of background, Men Ask M is a side project of mine that I've had for, gosh, almost eight years at this point where I give uh, smart online dating advice to men. And it's just something I do on the side and I love talking about dating. So I remember, Melissa, when you reached out to me, I was like, yes, let's talk and I'll come up to New York City so we can talk in person. Yeah. And that was so fun for me because I'd been recording remotely. And so to have somebody say, oh, what if we could actually do this together in real life? That was, I believe, the first time I recorded in studio. And so our experience recording together in that tiny studio, we were facing each other. We each had our own microphone. And I think I knew it was love at first sight between us. When you arrived with like five pages of notes. That's me. Oh my God. This is absolutely (laughs) incredible. I remember being so nervous that uh, referencing my notes and then rustling paper was going to be like a major no-no, but you assured me that it was a-okay to have notes. And then that's when I knew that I met my person. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was totally fine. I've since started doing kind of phone notes, like for anybody listening, wondering, oh, maybe I don't want rustling paper. I usually take notes on my phone during interviews. I find it helps me remember what people say, but you really couldn't hear them in that episode. And actually, that episode ended up being, if not the most downloaded episode of Figuring It Out, definitely in the top three. I think that your advice was so smart, so obviously well-prepared, but didn't sound like you were reading from a script, which I think is a real gift of yours. And we just like had a good time. Yeah, I thought we had such a great time. I was so psyched we got to do that in person. And that was really the start of a lot more for us. I know. We went to dinner after. I think we were both kind of like oh, this is amazing. I really like this person. (laughs) Can we be friends now? And then I think it was maybe five or six months later, uh, I think that's when I reached out to you about Booksmart. So something I learned from figuring it out is that I did really enjoy podcasting. But at times as a solo host, it felt a little bit lonely because you're the one shouldering, you know, all the work. And I just kind of reevaluated. I said, you know, I've done like 30 episodes of this podcast. I want to make sure that I'm being intentional and not just continuing with something because it's the way that I started. And I had this idea about doing a podcast about 
nonfiction books and self-help personal development books because I love them. But not a lot of people in my world want to nerd out about them as much as I did. And I just had this like brain seat. I was like, do you know who would be perfect for this is M. Right. Well, because after we met in person for the figuring it out interview, we had stayed in touch and we were just like having virtual hangouts via FaceTime. And we were always talking about the books we were reading. And so it just yeah, felt like a really natural progression to be like, hey, let's t- turn on the microphone um, while we're having these talks. And of course, a lot, a lot happened before we turned on the microphone. Yeah. And I think that's a good topic to move into next. So before we started, you know, I pitched you on the idea. I think at this point I had already run some potential names past you. And it's so funny looking back. I think the name that I proposed, one of many, was Book Smarter. And you were like, okay, what about Book Smart? Genius. So already you were improving the podcast far more than I could alone. Um, But even after you said yes, we are both, I think, in a good way, like careful, thoughtful people. And we wanted to make sure that we were very much on the same page about things. Yes. Yeah. I think it was important to both of us that we created not just a common vision for what we wanted to make together, but also felt like um, our time, our energy, our expertise, our finances were all considered, protected, and um, just sort of aligned with what the other wanted. Mm -hmm. And so we did actually write out an agreement. And I think that's something I would strongly recommend for anybody else with a co-host. And we can talk about some of the things that we outlined. But I think not only did it help us work through what each of us thought, but you know, it gives peace of mind. It gives clarity for things down the road. What do you think were some of the other perks to doing the written outline before we talk about what we included? To me, so the things you said, thinking out how the process of working together was going to go, the peace of mind, but also it made me really realize what a serious endeavor creating a project like this was together. Um, Not that Mm -hmm. I was not going to take it seriously, but having that formal frame around it really did establish for me like, all right, this I'm in this with someone else. This isn't just a passion project of mine. Um, and I want to take this seriously. And so it to me, it's it sort of set that expectation. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a big reason why Booksmart worked is because we really were literally on the same page. And that couldn't have happened unless we had actually typed something out. Because even as we started to move through it, I think there were many times where we were like, oh, we've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we can talk about some of the actual components of the agreement that we put together. Sure. Yeah. I know we had a um, responsibilities section that was helpful for both of us thinking out like, all right, what is involved with this and how are we going to share those responsibilities? Yeah. I think that was a good one because we'll talk about this in a bit, but we definitely took on different roles in production and even little things like if we had wanted to outsource to an editor, which we ended up doing. Like we talked about the implications there. And a big one, of course, is that we wanted to talk about how we would not just divide potential income, but also potential expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was big. And that also felt like that gave me some peace of mind too, knowing that we were going to share that responsibility and share that decision-making because I think projects like these can also get expensive quickly. And so knowing I had a buddy in... Uh, sharing that burden is the wrong word, but financial responsibility um, was helpful. But then also um, knowing it wasn't fully on my shoulders was mm-hmm. was a relief. Definitely. And if anybody is curious to learn more about how to put together a great co-host agreement, I actually have some resources that I recommend that I could put in the show notes, or you can visit wittenwire.com slash contract belt to check it out. Now, Em, let's talk about our episode prep process. We were so excited. We we got our written agreement together. We spent, I think, like some very fun times just brainstorming what kind of books we wanted to start with. And we landed on a few to start with first, but maybe you can talk more about how we prepped for the episodes. So I think the major part of the prep was we were both reading lots of books. (laughs) So many Um, books. (laughs) So many books. And For me, so reading the book included taking notes in the actual physical book. I know you had done, um, I think you you had done a lot of your reading 
uh, on an, on an e-reader. And for me, mm-hmm. like, I really like to have a pen on paper. And so, um, we both spent a lot of time doing that. And then, uh, do you want me to talk about the script outline now? Yeah. And then we can talk about how we have very different styles of prepping beyond the script. <laughs> okay. So I think initially you created, because this was all brand new to me, I had no idea what a script outline even needed to include for a podcast. So you created our initial templates that guided our very first episodes, but throughout the rest of the process of our uh, recording new episodes, I would take the template and then create the outline of what, um, you know, the intros, the outros, the, uh, you know, where ads needed to be, what our main discussion points were going to be. Um, And beyond that, we also both had our own separate notes for what we wanted to say about each book. Yeah. And so, okay. M creates like beautiful, gorgeous outlined notes based on her like carefully crafted (laughs) physical book notes, just like an absolute thing of beauty. Meanwhile, I read the books on Kindle because I really liked the ability to highlight and then export my highlights. And then what I would do is I would take notes as I was reading in my digital note-taking app. I use an app called Bear, which I'll include in the show notes. And then I would go through and highlight the quotes I knew I wanted to bring up, and I would add in little bullet points here and there. But I feel like, M, it's a good thing I never showed them to you because <laughs> I feel like you would see disaster. <laughs> Well, to me, it seems like it's magic that you're able to just funnel your notes from the book into this app. Who like? I feel like I'm a million years old when I talk about whatever the system was that you use because it's so far beyond me technologically. I I'm super old school. It's like I need to. I went back to my college days, like typing out my notes again. That's how they stick in my brain. I'm like a visual physical learner. And so the fact that you were able to just like funnel some text from one portal into another and then be able to speak to it is like, you are magical. (laughs) Okay. I feel like you're giving me way too much credit here. Um, And they're not anything special. Like looking at my notes, I do still have some sense of order. Not a monster. I've got bullet points. I've got heading titles for the chapters. It's not just like an absolute chaos tumbleweed. But what I like about bringing this up is that we both have super different reading styles and note-taking during the process and very different episode prep styles. Because this is something I know even with like a lot of my students, when we think of scripting, some of them are, I think, M's. They want to write out not necessarily every word, but they want like beautiful outline. They want to feel super prepared. But on the other hand, I have some students who are not the Melissa. I would say I'm in the middle. They're like whatever the other end is where they're like, I don't want to write a single word in advance. I just want to show up and go for it. And I don't think any of these approaches are wrong. I do think what we did with the script outline where we definitely scripted the intro always and the outro, that to me is like the only part that really has to be scripted. Yeah. And I really liked that we had this common script. So we both knew basically what had to happen. And then we could each separately go rogue in our own ways. Me like compulsively creating outlines and you being like a digital savage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're right though. It's a good point because it makes the conversation a lot more natural because we didn't know exactly what the other person was going to say. So even though we were reading from the same books, you would bring something up or maybe a quote from the book that I didn't remember that really stood out to you. And then when I would react, it felt natural. Or same thing, I would bring up a question or a part that I liked. And even though you had your very well-prepared doc, that didn't stop you from still like being very go with the flow with the conversation. Like We sound like humans having a conversation because we are. We're not just reading from our own little robot scripts. Right. And I appreciated as a total podcasting newbie, the ability for us to say, for me to say every now and then, wait, what should I say now? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it we were able to have a natural conversation and just by the sheer fact that we were podcasting, we were able to sort of edit out those awkward bits when, um, you know, the conversation came to a natural conclusion and then we had to find like, okay, what's the next main point we have to talk about. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grace in the process. Definitely agreed. I think we can kind of use that to transition into dividing the work a little bit more behind the scenes stuff. So I think a funny part of the behind the scenes 
was how we actually recorded. So I remember when I pitched to you that we could record remotely because I live in New York, you live in Pennsylvania. We're near to each other, but we're definitely not in the same neighborhood. And so I said, oh, let's record remotely. And you said, oh no, Melissa, what if I drove to Brooklyn? What if I came to you and you guided me in everything that we do? (laughs) And I said, okay, sure. You can come to my 400 square foot apartment. I can turn this into a podcasting studio. No problem. Cue foam and what else did you use? Sheets. Oh my gosh. So I think when you're setting up and you're recording like just yourself, what a lot of podcasters do is they find a soft place in their home. Like by that, I mean, maybe you've heard stories of podcasters recording in closets. It's usually because it's like an enclosed room with a lot of fabric. Really, the only place I wouldn't recommend recording is if your desk is in front of like a gorgeous window, the glass tends to reflect sound a little bit more. So basically where I'm recording right now at a desk. (laughs) This is why I need you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, you sound great. But the um, average, I would say, at-home podcaster, as long as you're in the quietest possible part of your home and you run your sound check and you sound good, you're fine. That being said, (laughs) I did know that we had something specific to tackle, which is that with two of us, we have two microphones. Right. And so – You can't use the same microphone for a lot of reasons. The first is that it's a lot harder to edit if you're recording two voices into one track instead of two microphones into two tracks. It just gives the editing process more flexibility. But on top of that, when you use your microphone, you have to be within like four to six inches of the microphone. So unless you and I wanted to be within also (laughs) like four to six inches of each other's face, then we each needed our own mic. So we got our cute matching blue yetis. I'll throw a link in the show notes to my favorite microphones. And what we did was we set them up on opposite sides of my table. Oh, excuse me. My table wasn't that big. I live in a tiny apartment. I forgot. I put you at the table and me at a desk so that we could be at the time ahead of our time socially distanced from each other in my apartment. And I didn't want the microphones to pick up the sound. So we got these inexpensive like foam squares and we created little forts for each of our microphones and then I put up this giant blanket because we were in my kitchen (laughs) and I didn't want it to like (laughs) I don't know it was such a an elaborate setup I don't know if the blanket really added to it but it made me feel kind of cool yeah it made me feel like we were doing it right even though I have I had nothing to compare it to exactly it's like okay we're in studio now yes it's no longer my apartment. We're in well, it's still a studio, but now it's like the studio. <laughs> the studio. <laughs> yeah, but it was very fun. Um, let's talk about dividing the work though. So as we started to do more episodes, I think something that's also really wonderful about having a co-host is just that you don't have to do it all. So I handled the nerdy like project management. I was doing like the production stuff. I was working with our editor uh, and we did still both review the edits, but then Mm -hmm. you handled a lot of the other wonderful things. You want to talk about that? Right. Yeah. I usually created the show notes, um, created the episode descriptions, created our newsletter. Uh, I'm a writer. So anything that was writing related, website related was fun for me to do. Um, I, I like that we did divide based on our skill set and based based on what we thought would actually be fun for each of us to do. For example, um, I am very social media avoidant. I know it's not your most favorite thing, but that was something that I was like, this is not going to spark joy for me. And so you handled that. Um, for you, show notes did not spark joy. And so I was Ugh, happy to none. do that. <laughs> so I the really liked that. Like you that. Like volunteered. I was just like, is this a dream? It was amazing. I was like, yeah, I'll play on Squarespace. That's what I that's what I do for my job. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. That was such a huge, huge perk. I think we both felt like we were winning, which is really the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was really nice. There really wasn't much that I needed to do that I was like, oh, this again. Um mm-hmm. and I think that's a really amazing perk of working with a co-host. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to talk about some of our favorite parts and challenges before we talk about maybe some sanity savers or what are you feeling we go into next? Yeah. Yeah. Other fun stuff. Let's see. Um, well, obviously it was fun to hang out and talk about books all day and literally all day. Cause we would record, uh, in full day batches. Um, 
It was, I really liked sharing the spotlight. I think that's a major perk for anyone who feels like they have a lot to say, but they don't want to do it all themselves. It was much more comfortable for me to be in conversation than, um, I like, I, I wouldn't have a podcast if, if I had to do it alone. So that was, that was a major plus for me. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think not only is it fun, maybe fun's the wrong word, preferable, like you said, to share the spotlight, but also just the natural back and forth mm-hmm. and the ease of the recording process mm-hmm. was just really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of podcasters, going solo can feel really daunting because you're just talking really to yourself when you're recording. Yeah. And it is still a great fit for a lot of people. And on the other hand, interviewing is very different from co-hosting because there are two very distinct roles. And mm. I remember in my first you know, dozen or two dozen interviews thinking, I'm loving learning from this person. But at the same time, I'm not participating in the conversation mm. in the same way as I would if we were co-hosting. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the co-hosted format was such a perfect match of just a regular conversation. Like I really looked forward to our recording days and we got to talk about something that we both really loved. And I got to learn what you thought about the book. Mm-hmm. Like I was always so curious. I'd be reading the book, taking notes, thinking like, oh, I think M would have really loved this. <laughs> or sometimes thinking like, there's no way. There's no way she's on board with this. I really liked that too. It it did feel like it was just a fun conversation. Um, and I hope that like one of the benefits I think to listeners is that they get to hear multiple perspectives just on something. Um, when you loved something and I didn't love it so much, like it was fun to like to have that playing off of each other too. Um, I, I found that like, I'm really comfortable going into personal details about my own life. And I know you were like, ah, not so much my personal life, happy to talk about work stuff. And so we had, I thought like a really nice balance in just like who we are, what we wanted to share, what we were psyched to talk about. And like, we complimented each other in a lot of ways um, because there was a lot that we shared that we were psyched to talk about. So it was, it was a really nice balance. Definitely. And before we talk about that, that's actually such a good point you made about before we even hit record, we had a conversation about what are we comfortable sharing and what are we not comfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that's something that any co-hosts like us should do too. Right. Yeah. So what I loved about our recording too, like you were starting to say, is I think we have just enough in common that we wanted to read the same books and we, of course, enjoy each other's company. But we're also different enough that we didn't love or hate the same things from different books or we had different takeaways. So the conversation was always fun. Like we were having our own book club, our Mm -hmm. little two-member book club, and we wanted it to feel like other people were in on our book club, I think, in a way. Yeah. And that was feedback that we got as well as people felt like they were getting to listen in on a couple of friends talking about their book club and they really liked um, our friendship in addition to our conversation. Yeah, I think maybe of all the formats, co-hosting feels the most casual because you're both on a level playing field. It's not this like interview format, which even if it's a casual interview, there's still like a pretty clear role dynamic there. So co-hosting, I think, is such a nice way to really just kind of relax, chat about something that you love, whether it's books, something about pop culture, even professionally. I don't think there's a topic that wouldn't suit co-hosting. I agree with you. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. You're, you're the expert on that. I know. I'll have to I'm like, it, but... agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just play to my strength <laughs> yes. in this particular moment. And I'll say that I don't think – I'm sure I could be proven wrong, though. Um, should we talk about maybe the other side, though? Because there definitely are, I think, challenges with the format. Much as we love it, we glow about co-hosting. And I truly would recommend it. But it's not all like – roses and co-hosting for sure yeah let's 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 get into some of the challenges or um anticipated pitfalls that others could experience yeah do you want to go first do you want me to go first um you go first we're so used to recording in person too and we're doing this remote thing and i think we're just like i can't see your face what's happening right what are your eyes saying i know (laughs) what is your soul speaking to you right now (laughs) I'll go first. So I we we did touch on this earlier. 
But I think it was so important that we were really on the same page mm-hmm. about the work we were going to do, the commitment level it would take, who would do what. But I think for a lot of people, that isn't a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Like we, I pitched you and you agreed. But for somebody who's looking for a co-host, like maybe you love the thought of the format, but you don't have someone in mind yet. I think that making sure that that person is equally as into it as you are is so important. Or even if they not, aren't like a hundred percent as committed, make that clear in the written agreement. Like make it so that you own the concept, you own the show. If they decide to walk away, that you could find another co-host. Like there has to be something, I think, to clarify that distinction. That yeah, that makes sense to me. We were both very willing to have honest conversations throughout the entire process about what what was or wasn't working for us. And so I think having somebody that you feel really comfortable having that level of um, frank communication with is really important. And not everyone is willing to be as transparent, I think, as you and I both were with each other. Yeah. I think we will talk about this a little bit more, but the conversations that we had on our recording days and just how open we were about what we wanted to do next or when we made certain changes to the show – I don't think that we could have been successful as podcasters if we hadn't been willing to have those types of conversations. So if it's not something that, or if it's not someone, I should say, that you're comfortable talking with and being really open with, I think that could be hard down the line. Yeah. And I think that's why it really makes sense to me to start with creating some kind of written agreement or partnership agreement, because it's a really good way to make sure that your expectations are aligned for all of those complications that could come up and that you are working with somebody that you're able to have that kind of serious conversation with from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think there were other maybe challenges or anticipated pitfalls we haven't touched on yet? I don't. I feel like some of the challenges we experienced were just um, podcasting related, which we can talk about in terms of what we, how we tweaked our process to sort of keep ourselves sane along the way. Yeah, let's talk about the sanity savers. Although actually, you know, I think one more pitfall could be if you have different ideas about what you're going to spend on Mm. or the overall like output of the show. Like you and I decided early, early on, I think based on my experience with my first podcast, that we were going to hire an editor. Right. And we paid for a Squarespace membership. Like we were really upfront Mm -hmm. about the fact that we were going to spend that money and Even if you have another co-host who's super excited, like if their money beliefs or money capabilities to contribute are different from yours, I do think that that could be a challenge. Yeah. And that just closely aligns with what the quality of your output is going to end up being too. So um, cost doesn't always equal quality, but also having somebody who is really aligned with you about what you want the recording to sound like, how you want, like you said, to invest in an editor or try and DIY it. It's there are a lot of um, a lot of things that go along with thinking about how you're going to spend. It's like to what end? Yeah, and there are a lot of right answers, mm-hmm. and so it's not so much that you and your co-host both have to agree to pay for editing. Like it's definitely not what we're suggesting. It's instead that either you should both believe in one thing, or you should both believe in another. If you're on different pages, it's going to be a challenge. Right. And then talk about that and figure out like, well, what are you willing to take on? Maybe like if I hadn't been willing to edit because I don't know how to, uh, (laughs) and you were able to, that could have been something that we figured out if we decided not to spend financially on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think something that's really interesting about Booksmart is that We, from the start, had a couple of strategies that we kept up the whole time that really helped us, but there were some things that we changed along the way to either help with our sanity or just, you know, you learn as you go. And we hinted at this one earlier, but I think maybe one of the best things that we did that we started right from the beginning Mm. was doing our full day recordings where we recorded in batches. Right. And so we would, what was our day of the most recordings. Maybe we did three books. I think three. Yeah. Yeah. That was intense. (laughs) First of all, looking back on our first recording day, did we do three episodes, three books the first day? Yeah. We were like, let's do this. Type A, Hermione. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we 
Oh my gosh. Looking back on like young Melissa and M podcasters, we were so bright eyed and ambitious. We read three books. We came in prepped with three. Like think about how much time it takes y'all to read a book, people. Like we read three books. Granted, we did choose some books that we already loved, but we still had to go and take all the notes and then show up. And it took us probably longer, I think, the first recording day to get into a groove yeah. because we were learning. It was the first time we were doing it together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we the setup took a little bit longer because we were figuring that out. Then the recording itself, like we probably recorded 90 minutes for mm-hmm. an episode that probably wasn't longer than an hour the first time. Yeah. But I do think that having those days became really like fun and special because we not only got to spend time talking about books already a win mm-hmm. but we would also have our like lunch breaks together yes right it was it was a really nice blend of the uh the professor the professional and the personal yeah so we would record later on when we like got our wits about ourselves we'd do like <laughs> a morning recording and an afternoon recording so we would do the first recording then we would i think usually do the lunch break unless we were really feeling it and mm-hmm. then we would just power through both mm-hmm. and then eat afterwards but it was so nice to of course catch up but that's also when we got to have a lot of those really honest conversations about mm-hmm. not just you know what books do we want to read next although we did always talk about that we always walked away from our recording with action items because mm-hmm. that's who we are um but just little thoughts on the format the release schedule that's what the lunches i think really gave us a space for yeah and not always little thoughts sometimes it was big big stuff like oh my gosh this is so much work <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah how could we do this differently because like this part isn't working so well and so that's when we ended up making some pretty significant changes um that that we did really evolve our process through yeah do you want to talk more about those so i think initially we were rec- we were aiming to release weekly is that right I think so, which I don't know why we didn't do this math, but if we had released an episode, that would have been 52 of these books a year. That was a lot of reading and no oh, taking. And it, like, we, we love to read. We love it. But like, oh my gosh, yeah. we were we were insane. So I do remember it was pretty early on that I don't even remember which one of us brought it up. Like I want to say it was me, but I also just feel like it was mutual where we were just like, what if we did bi-weekly instead? <laughs> And so not only did it save our sanity, but we realized that it was probably easier for listeners too. Like if we were reading a book a week, they didn't have to read the same book because what we were providing was um, enough really interesting conversation about the book that they didn't have to read it if they didn't want to, but that it would be hard for people to keep up with us if they did want to go ahead and read the books that we had, that we had covered. So it was for, yeah. for us and our listeners always thinking about like, what is a, the experience that they are looking for as well? Yeah, that's such a good point because we really did have hopes that people would read the books that we were reading and that we would be able to engage with listeners. Mm -hmm. And so if we were struggling to keep up with our own schedule, we definitely had this thought like there's no way anybody else could do this too. Right. And that's why that evolved into – and so initially we started doing biweekly releases and then – we started dividing each book into two separate episodes so that listeners had even longer to uh, take in a book either through our episodes or by reading it themselves as well before they felt quote unquote behind. Yeah. I loved that evolution too, because then it ended up being that there was a book per month, Mm -hmm. which feels more accessible. And we would split so that the first episode would be kind of like the recap You wouldn't have to read the book, although we found that a lot of people wanted to, but we would just go through what what stood out to us, maybe favorite quotes, favorite moments. We would have a little bit of a discussion on what we thought, but then usually the second episode felt slightly different where we would dive into either the activity from the book Mm -hmm. or maybe M, can you help me think of, maybe there's a good example of one of those second episodes that we did I'm blanking on. I'm blanking on them too. I think that that was often when we trash talking is the wrong term because we rarely trash talked <laughs> any of the books but no, it, we picked books we loved yeah it, it felt like that was when we were having our more like in the weeds and the details um in our personal experience conversations about the books whereas the first episode about the book really was like here's the big picture here are the main points the author is making you know this argument etc and the second episode was like what do we really think 
Oh, um, I remember when we read Digital Minimalism by Cal mm-hmm. Newport, you decided to do the 30-day mm-hmm. – it wasn't called a fast. Digital detox. Word? Digital detox, right. So we, in the first episode, mentioned that you were going to try it. And then I think in the second episode, we talked about your experience actually doing it. I think you're right. Yeah. I have a lot to say about that book. I love that book. I recently just skimmed it again because I was feeling like my tech habits were getting a little out of control. And so I, I didn't do a full on detox, but I, I again, like listen, or I reread the book and then implemented a, a light detox. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. such a good one to go back to. Yeah. Such a good read. I think what was also really fun about our conversations and the way that it evolved is that we had the first episode and the second episode, but we also had our bookmarked activity, which I thought was a fun signature segment that we would do. I loved that. And that was so motivating for me because I'm such an action-oriented person. I love personal development books because I want to I want to start implementing whatever I've learned immediately. And so that was a really fun prompt for us to share with our listeners, but then um, to practice ourselves and then check in on uh, in later episodes. Yeah, it was such a good fit for what we were doing, I think, because we were reading personal development books. Like if we had been doing exactly the same format, but for a fictional series, I don't think that the bookmarked activity in the way that we were doing it would have necessarily fit. But because these are very like actionable books about whatever it might have been, technology, habits, happiness, having one thing that listeners could do in the end Mm -hmm. suited, I think, both the books we were reading and also who our listeners were. Definitely. Yeah. And they were fun too. I think in some of the episode, the part twos, we ended up kind of talking about if we had tried the bookmarked activities as well. Yeah, I always did. I love every single book that we read so much looking back. Um, oh, same. Yeah, yeah. We chose so well. <laughs> we, But actually that's something interesting worth noting too is we thought a lot about the books that we wanted to yeah. read. And we sometimes started books that we won't name and then <laughs> did not finish them because we were unimpressed. Yeah, not into them. Yeah. And actually, we thought about, like, do we want to do an episode even if we don't like the book? But we decided that our point of view, maybe is the way to say it, our point of view is that we were sharing books that we did like, that we did find value in. Right. And so to bring on a book that we didn't really love just to say, like, oh, we didn't really love it, that didn't really fit what we were doing. No, not at all. I'm really glad that we didn't end up doing that, especially because it it was such a time commitment to read a book, to read a book that we didn't enjoy and then have to talk about why we didn't enjoy it. was like not what we were about. So I'm I'm glad that we dedicated our time, dedicated our time, um, which was not a small amount of time on what we really loved doing. No, definitely not. And I think something that we've been talking about all episode is that We were really open about communicating, but we were also both really thoughtful about what we wanted to do next. And I think something that's great about podcasting is that you don't have to just keep doing the same thing because you started it in episode one. Like you have the freedom to evolve your podcast. And like, dare I say, I want to give listeners permission to change things Mm -hmm. as they go, because if it's not serving you, that's reason enough. If you think your listeners would like something else, that's reason enough. If you feel like it, that's reason enough. Like you don't have to do a ton of hard, deep research to think, should I change my podcast? You can really just try something new in the next episode and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. I loved every single little tweak and experiment we ran. And I think each one served us really well and ultimately got us to a spot where we were um, really pleased with the format and how much we were reading, how we were recording them, how we were sharing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think worth noting too that – when we switched to bi-weekly releases, it did slightly slow the growth of the podcast. Like there's a lot of research that shows that the more frequently you release episodes, I'm going to say this with a asterisk, the more quickly your show will grow. But our show did grow. Mm-hmm. And I think what's great about the bi-weekly release is that because we were still putting out really great content that our listeners loved, they kept coming back they were recommending it. We ended up actually getting picked up by a couple of websites, which really mm-hmm. shot up our downloads and you and I like freaked out about together. <laughs> um, that's another fun thing with a co-host is like when you hit your first 1,000 or 10,000 downloads, yeah. you get to send them screenshots and be like, oh my God, Em, 
them exclamation 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was but, so exciting yeah and that's a that's a really good point it's like having a co-host as somebody to celebrate with and i think so many whether it's um you know business ownership or side hustles or passion projects so many of them can be so solitary and it's so much fun to have somebody to celebrate with and also somebody to just talk out stuff with that you would normally have to figure out on your own Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was such a relief, honestly, Mm -hmm. to have somebody else in it with you, like your podcast partner in crime. Mm -hmm. I really believe that Booksmart ended up much better off because we had the both of us. Like, never forget, it would have been Booksmarter without you, but that's just like (laughs) the iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) It still would have been a fabulous podcast, I have no doubt. It would not have been nearly as good. (laughs) It was greater than the sum of its parts. Well, as we start to kind of wrap up this episode, I want to talk a little bit about who this could be right for. So, you know, we've talked about, I think, a lot of the pros and cons and what we did. And so people who are enjoying maybe the sound of our experience, I definitely think anybody could have a co-hosted show. But who do you think that this could be a good fit for? Yeah. Anyone who likes the sound of what we've just shared, yes. And then I think if if you like the idea of not having um, the full weight of a conversation on your shoulders, like I think I mentioned that earlier, that was that was big for me is feeling like I if I were to take something on like this by myself, having the full conversational and content load on my shoulders would have been um, just stressful. And so getting to share it with somebody and getting to tag team um, what feels fun and sort of offload what feels really hard is just like such a gift. What about you? What do you think? Um, Who do you think this is a really great fit for? Well, as we've been talking about all along, I think it's so fun to share our love of books with each other. And I think if part of the reason why you're starting your podcast is to share a passion, whether it's like a hobby passion or like a professional skill and passion, finding somebody else to share that with and to have conversations about really like brought me joy. Mm. And I felt exhausted after a long day of recording, but also like really energized and really excited to share our episodes with our listeners. And I think it was because we got to learn not just about the books, but what each other thought about the books. And that's not something you can get in any other format. Like solo, that's all you. It's all your research. Interviewing, I love, like I said, you get to learn about somebody else, but it's not that back and forth. So if people want to just kind of feel like they're in a great conversation with somebody you enjoy spending time with, then I think this is going to be such a great fit. Yeah, that's a great point. And like you said, it's it gives your listeners to a more well-rounded uh, perspective on the topic because it's not just you and your notes. Yeah, I think finding somebody who you have a lot in common with from like uh, an expectations, hardworking in the way that you want to be hardworking, like the production mm-hmm. process, you should be aligned on and you should like the same things. But if you guys have a different worldview or if you have contrasting personalities or you're each bringing something different to the table, I think that's what makes the conversation really interesting. Mm -hmm, Definitely. What about who we think this is maybe not a good fit for? Um, So if somebody does not want to share the spotlight, like I said, I I loved sharing the spotlight and I preferred it. But if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. Then a co-host is not for you, I think. Mm -hmm. I think on the other side, if you are not completely committed to being in the podcast, you shouldn't be bringing somebody else in to do it for you. Mm. Like if you have even an inkling that you might not want to do this long term, I think you have to really like examine that because podcasting can take a lot of work as we've talked about and the results are usually pretty rewarding. But if you're just like dabbling or you're unsure and mm. then you bring in somebody else and they're really pumped and they're really excited, you're going to be the one letting down the team. So I think if you want to step up to the plate as a co-host, you have to be willing to like show up and record and be a, a fully present partner. Yeah, that's a great point. And sort of another facet of that is if you're somebody who has a really specific vision and you mm-hmm. want full creative control over what that looks like, it might be tough to bring somebody in who is going to have their own input and ideas. And if you're not um, 
interested in tweaking what you have in mind, that could be like a real challenge as well. Oh yeah, that's a great point. And I think it's important to note that like from an ideas and concept perspective, we were both very much equals. Yeah. But depending on what your podcast is, like maybe if you're a business owner and you want to have a podcast and you want to bring in your smart like professional network friend who you have a great relationship with, but the podcast is under your brand, I don't think it has to be that the vision is 50-50 in order to have a co-host. But I do think it needs to be clear if that isn't the case. That makes sense, right? And set those expectations up early so that everybody's clear on on how that's going to go. Yeah. I mean, that said, I think 50-50 was a great way to go in terms of the specific like vision that we had. I think sometimes with our agreement, some things were 51-49 just because mm-hmm. 50-50 is like a dangerous place to be in oftentimes. But just because I mentioned business owners, I do think that if you have your own business and there's another business owner in maybe a complementary field mm-hmm. who is speaking to a similar audience as you, I actually think that that could be a really great partnership opportunity to join up and be co-hosts in a show. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Well, I couldn't let you go without at least throwing it back to a little bit of our book conversation Aww. for old times. So I want to talk a little bit about what we're reading. So what have you been up to lately, book-wise? Tell me everything. Okay. So what's funny is that it's not much different from where we were at this point last year um, in Booksmart, which is that uh, you know we are in unusual times here. My library is closed. I'm a big fan of the library. And so I've been looking at my own bookshelves thinking, all right, what do I want to revisit? And I just reread The Big Leap, which was um, Booksmart's episode two. And it is just incredible what you can get from a second or third or fourth reading of of a book because it totally depends on what place you're in and sort of what what information you're ready to receive. And so um, I just revisited some of my upper limiting challenges in, in my life with regard to taking on a few new um, perspectives in how I'm evolving my own work and mindset. And oh, that book is just so amazing. And uh, once again, it really challenged my thinking in a brilliant way. Yeah. And you mentioned this, you took like the words out of my brain as you said them, but depending on the place that you're in when you read the book, mm-hmm. I think you really do take very different things away from it. And The Big Leap is about mindset. And I think that a lot of where you are in your life when you read the book, you'll see things very differently. So now you're having me think, oh, I should go back and read. It's not the longest book either. So it'd be a good one to reread. Yeah, it's a it's not it's not long at all. And it is so jam-packed full of good stuff. How about you? What are you rereading? Or not necessarily well, rereading, but I've been I, I do a little rereading it by day, but okay. I've been thinking a lot about Art of Gathering because that was one oh. of my favorite books that we read. And it's been on my mind because it's a book I recommend really often when people ask me for recommendations. Mm. But in this pandemic, there are no gatherings in the traditional sense. People are still getting together, but it feels a lot different and it's of a much different scope. Mm. And it's fascinating to think about like Priya Parker. I'm really curious to hear her take. I should search and see if she has one on how can we continue to gather in a time where we can't necessarily be near each other. That's such an interesting question. Right. And I think in some ways it's harder and in some ways it could be easier, which is that, um, you know, the idea of making sure gatherings have a purpose. Like I think sometimes you just hop on FaceTime and hang out with a friend, but I've hosted a lot of Zoom get togethers in the recent months where we had very specific purposes and they were all social. Um, You know, they weren't, they weren't work related, but um, like my cousin graduated from college. And so I had a, like a graduation party for her on Zoom. Um, And so there's- sounds like you were creating a moment, a lot of power of moments. (laughs) Right. I know that's a milestone. It was like, this cannot go unnoticed. Um, So we will gather. (laughs) Maybe we should have mentioned that one of the downsides to co-hosting is that you start to speak in your own language that nobody else understands. (laughs) Em and I would just start using phrases from the books. Like even when we were preparing for this call and Emma was having trouble with technology and she said that I helped her reframe it. I was like, oh, we're already doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> we're using our book terms. But I love it. I do feel like reading all these books did in fact make me smarter. 
Yeah. And it's so fun that to have a common language with, with someone, with a buddy. Definitely. And kind of to answer your question about what I'm reading currently, a book I read after we did Booksmart, but that I absolutely wished we could have done an episode about, and maybe I'll talk you into in the future, is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. Have you read it? Yes, I loved that book. So you want to talk about our experiences in therapy? Is that what you're telling me? No, I want to talk about her experiences in therapy. (laughs) You're right. Maybe I haven't thought this all the way through. But I would recommend that book so highly. And the the quick summary is that Lori herself is a therapist and it's about her experience seeking out therapy from someone else. And there's story woven in. And I think that her perspective in both chairs, I guess, one Mm -hmm. couch, one chair, is fascinating, but also somehow very relatable, even though I'm not a therapist. I don't know. I loved it. Yeah. It's a phenomenal book. Well, um, do you think there's anything that we haven't covered yet that we want listeners to know about co-hosting? I don't. I think if this feels right, go forth, have fun, make a plan, prototype together. (laughs) Another Booksmart reference. I'll include a link to our podcast in the show notes in case people want to check it out. I think that my takeaway from doing a co-hosted show is that it really allowed me to pursue an interest of mine with somebody else who had the same interest. And I didn't just get a podcast out of it. I got like a heightened friendship Mm -hmm. and a sense of joy from doing it that I don't know if other formats give me. So I really do have special feelings about being a co-host and I hope that other listeners might feel compelled to start their own co-hosted show too. Oh, I have special feelings about you. I have special feelings about the fact that I use the phrase special feelings. (laughs) But I'll just, you know, we know I don't like to talk about my feelings, but for you, I'll make an exception. Aw, thanks. We'll let the music outro play and um, stop me from saying anything else more awkward. So when this hits. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us this week. To view the complete show notes and check out the other episodes in this series, visit witandwire.com slash 11. You can also learn more about our courses and services for podcasters on our website anytime. Before we go, I wanted to ask all of you to help support Wit & Wire by doing something free that takes less than a minute. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to ask you to leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews let Apple know that great listeners like you enjoy this show, and that helps Melissa expand her reach and search results. So it really does make a difference. 